but be aware we we too uh, we we laugh a lot so if That's we great. if we cr- crash no problem <laughs> maybe cuts it cuts everything out <laughs> just, keeps the just the laughing <laughs> 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 the banana joke is nice. The banana no joke. Nice. Can we tell that on air? No, I don't think it's too boring. Oh, oh, we should be careful. Oh, <laughs> 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 well, well, welcome to another bottle down, everybody. My name is Mark Rayshap, and this is the podcast about wine and the wine industry, where we get to meet uh, some fun personalities like Alois Clemence Legator and Yo Fister, who are just. Trying to tell a joke, I think, um, but uh, but we'll get to know them a little bit more. So, hope you enjoy this. They uh, were traveling through Austin from the Alto Adige in the northern part of Italy. We talk grape varieties, region, uh, family history with the Legator family. So, um, I hope you do enjoy. We're here with Alois Clemens Legator, who is fifth. Or sixth generation, sixth generation, and and Yo Fisterer, who is the winemaker of Alois Legator, and again we are in the Alto Adige region of northern Italy. Uh, Clemens, uh, Alois Clemens Legator, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you very much. And and Yo, uh, really really nice uh, having you here. We we tasted some wines together yesterday, and it was it was really wonderful. I think that you are pushing the bar and trying to do things that a, a lot of wineries are maybe taking for granted. So I'm looking forward to digging into some of the things that you're doing. Uh, first, can I have you, maybe, um, Alois Clemens, maybe you can uh, describe the region of Alto Adige, put it into perspective, maybe starting with where it is in, in reference to uh, Venice. Okay. To reference to Venice, okay. Uh, so I think because um, I, th- I don't think many people know exactly where the Alto Adige is. Yeah, that's right. That's right. No, it's actually one of the smallest uh, regions in Italy, and it's for sure the most northern part and the, the most northern one, uh, right? As you said, just uh, next to the border to Austria. So I would say it's a little bit further up north, uh, regards to to Venice, and it's a quite interesting uh, region because hundred years ago, actually, it was part of Austria, and in somehow in some at the first. World War, Austria lost the war, uh, Italy won the war, and so they cut the Tyrol, this very, very famous uh, Austrian region, into two pieces and gave the southern part to to uh, Italy. So it, nowadays it's this beautiful mixture of two different cultures, two different influences, it's this Austrian part and the, and the Italian part. This That makes actually Alto Adige uh, as a region and uh, very interesting culturally. And then, of course, it's in the middle of the Alps, in the middle of the Dolomites. So also geolo- geologically speaking, it's it's uh, impressive. Yeah. So that Austrian culture is really still present, and and you have the name is also Sud Tyrol. So where Absolutely. you break up Tyrol, you yeah. might see that on the label as yeah, well. Yeah, and we have Schlutzkapfen and uh, Knödel. <laughs> 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 so many Austrian uh, dishes, yeah. Right, and 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 is the dress a little bit more uh, Austrian or? Um, uh, there are there are the, the lederhosen as well, but we don't uh, we don't wear it that often. Okay. <laughs> Um, so, so we're um, we're in this rich cultural area, and uh, and and right in the Alps. Um, describe kind of how, you know, how how the landscape changes. Maybe as you're coming up from the Veneto into into the Sutirol, into the Alto Adige. I would say that um, the landscape uh, a little bit further south is a little bit wider, and then all of a sudden, starting with Trentino. Trentino uh, the, the the valley gets a little bit more narrow and especially in Alto Anige, the valley starts really to become narrow and it's surrounded by its mountains by by, by this dolomitic uh, soil or yeah limestone and you have this really these walls of, of different rocks and and you have uh, a huge diversity of uh, geology uh, you have all of a sudden a huge diversity of, of different heights if you see uh, farms and uh, on thousand me and on three thousand feet high and uh, all this beautiful countryside actually yeah in, uh, and so you grew up there your father was in charge of the winery and and what was it like to kind of grow up in this crazy landscape along with uh, kind of uh, playing in the winery growing up and I mean was it was it an incredible experience I don't know it's difficult because I, I would say that um, my father always even though it's a family business uh, or a family winery he always 
in somehow try to also separate the business from the family. And so he was always eager to not have discussions on, in, during night or, or at, the, at the evening or at lunch or evening time, dinner time, to not discuss about the challenges in the winery. So also he always gave us the freedom if we want to uh, be part of the winery or not. And we lived about half an hour from the winery. And, and so it's, it wasn't, I wouldn't say, or I wouldn't describe my, my childhood that uh, as as uh, I would have been every single day on the winery and, and working at it, I, I was qu- uh, kind of free. And so I also before I, I decided to take over the path of this wi- the, of the winery or d- and yeah, being part of in the winery, I, I studied sociology. So it was also there something something different. Yeah, D- was there a moment where you knew that you would kind of take over or be be in that full time, or did you did you have a moment where you said I wanted to do something else? And then yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I I went to Zurich to study economics at the beginning, and because I thought uh, that I would take over the winery. Uh, and then after two weeks, I called my father and said, "Look, um, I'm not going to study uh, economics <laughs> in Zurich. I, I want to do something else." And then, uh, yeah, I did three years of, of sociology, and in the third year, um, I became interested. I started to work for our importer in, in Switzerland, and so this, the interest came back. And then I went to Geisenheim to this viticulture school where where I met actually you. Okay, well, Yo, let's bring you in, Yo Fister. So, where where are you from? And and you are a winemaker of Alois Legator. Yeah. Um, first, great to be here. Thank you. Um, well, I'm from from Stuttgart, with, which is in the very south of of Germany. So. I'm German, not not Italian, or not from. I can tell from. And and so, wh- wh- and did you growing up in Stuttgart? Did you always know that you would kind of be in wine, and then you made a decision to go to winemaking school, right? Uh, no, actually, never. Um, <laughs> um, starting with fourteen, I was a bit more interested interested in wine, but um, from another point of view. Um, so uh, actually, um, I did my civil service um, after 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 high school, and at that time, I, I thought a lot about what what I want to do in my life, and I also also uh, thought about several possibilities to study. Um, but then I heard about the the wine viticulture and enology um, studies in in Geisenheim, and and. It was more a feeling than a than a certain knowledge that this will be the right thing to do. So I first started to work two years in a winery before studying, and then I I studied uh, viticulture and enology. Yeah. And then you guys met there. Did, would would you did you feel like a camaraderie that that there was something that you both kind of wanted to do together? Highlight. Uh, extreme winemaking or experimentation, that sort of thing? Le, le, no, um, because for me, a very important thing, when we met, um, I had no idea what what the winery of, of Alois Legeda is, is and how big it is or, or how, how, yeah, how nice it is. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I just had the name and I knew, okay, there's somewhere some, some winery, but I hadn't the link to the actual company, yeah. And then, uh, so it was more. I think I would say it was more, uh, yeah, a friendship that was that started there, and then slowly, slowly, um, the link became even uh, on a on a business side uh, or on a on a how you say, right? So how so how long ago was it that you made the move from Germany to uh, the Alto Adige and Italy and and started working for the winery? Three years ago, it was. I, I uh, came from Vienna, where I've studied uh, after my viticulture and enology enology study. Um, general agriculture. So, and three years ago, I, I moved to to Magret, which is actually a very small village, and <laughs> was a hard step after such a nice city uh, like Vienna to to <laughs> move at a nice but very very small village, yeah. isolated, which which might be hard as a young professional, right? <laughs> you got it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 it's working for you. I mean, and um, you since I moved to Brozzano, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit bigger. So, so Bolzano is, is kind of the main city of the region, yeah. right? Yeah. And and maybe the, the one of the culture more of the cultural you can more more nightlife, more um, more people just in general, right? I mean, it's still it's still small. I mean, especially compared to uh, 
to to hear. I think. I mean, there are hundred thousand people living. There's no not much going on in uh, the evening. So it's but it's nice. It's uh, it has its charm, but it's what not a it's not a student city. Absolutely what I, not. What, what I like about Bolzano is the is the is the fact that here here it takes over the Italian culture, meaning. You are outside um, with with raising temperatures um, and even very high temperatures in summer. All the life in the evening is outside mm-hmm. on the streets. That's a very nice yeah. thing. That's cool. Yeah. And then in the in the winter, is it a little bit more closed doors, uh, sleepy fun, town at, at five p.m. That's the fun part. That's the fun part. Uh, even in the winter times, people always stay are always standing outside in bef- in front of the bar. Or that's that's crazy. It's freezing. It's getting really cold there, <laughs> and no matter what, if it's snowing, if it's cold, they're standing outside. Maybe because they're smoking, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Anyway, they're standing outside. <laughs> What's actually interesting? Yeah. Well, you can come to Austin for the warm weather and the the very vibrant nightlife. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what uh, we haven't had the chance. Na- uh, yeah, you guys were in bed early last night, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so let, let's kind of start delving into the wine. I mean, we do t- talk eventually about wine on this show. And um, what, what, uh, what do you think the for somebody who has never heard of the region? What do you think that uh, the Alto Adige does very well in terms of wine? Um, I would say, in terms of wine, I think we can. We have a our identity would be the diversity. And we are not focusing on on one or two or three grape varieties. We have 25 or more grape varieties. And I think through the diversity, through the ge- geological diversity, through the microclimate, diver- the, the diversity of microclimates, of different elevations, of different expositions, of many, yeah, of this beautiful, vast diversity, we have the possibility to really choose for each grape variety the, the perfect spot. And I think that's something that's uh, unique in Atlantic and what's actually, uh, yeah, uh, identifying our winemaking. I would say that most, uh, the most common uh, variety that we see here, and I'd like to talk about that first, is uh, is Pinot Grigio, because partially because Pinot Grigio is just popular here. And, uh, and I always like to say that, well, there's a lot of mediocre Pinot Grigio in northern Italy, but once you start to get up into the Alto Adige or maybe over in Friuli, the quality starts to go up a little bit higher. Do you, do you agree with that? And then why is that? I, <clears throat> Yo? Well, kind of, I, I do agree, but um, it's not that other regions um, could not create or produce a nice Pinot Grigio, but maybe they have their focus um, elsewhere. So um, I would think these, especially these two regions, um, maybe also the Trentino region, um, so Friuli, Alto Adige and Trentino had their focus on on fresh white wines since I would say uh, over over three or four decades or or five decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's probably the focus, and therefore there's um, a great experience in in doing Pinot Grigio or yeah. especially white wines. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, as you said, I mean, of course, um, Alto Adige has. Uh, the very good conditions for Pinot Grigio for this grape variety, but I think it's also a matter of, of, uh, of focusing on, on high quality Pinot Grigio and, and what do we want to do. And uh, we have the conditions. We need to we need to play with these components. We need to play with this, uh, and we need to focus on high quality. And then then uh, probably that's why. So as a winemaker and and a winery owner, how do you do that? How do you how do you focus on high quality Pinot Grigio? The, the particulars. Well, first of all, we we think about what we do like um, on a wine and or, or if we drink wine what what why do we drink it do we drink a glass or do we drink the bottle so that's probably what it's all about it's it's about um, uh, a joy a, a joy uh, during drinking and and um, Drinking the whole bottle without realizing it, let's say, uh, because it's it, because of its drinkability and its sapidity. So it shouldn't be too complex. It should be easygoing. Although the wines can be complex, but in a in a in an easy way, let's say, not too. 
I would add also the liveliness heavy. of a wine. It should be that's that's a, a point what we are looking a, a extremely uh, to to find in a wine or to to when we produce the wine to keep a certain or to guarantee or to increase even in a in a glass of wine in a bottle of wine that is the certain liveliness, the tension, the freshness, um, and to always think about what is the wine doing with you how do you feel about it and it's right. not just drinking a glass but it's really yeah there should be some tension and that's uh, that's our focus yeah i love that word because and i don't think we use it enough in you know in in consumer speak and um that that liveliness and and that energy that wine can give us energy and nurture us and uh, i had a south african winemaker on the show from Molderbosch, and mm. he talked about uh wines being smashable which is mm. uh you know a kind of what you were talking about mm. yo as far as just you know this enjoyability but then also when you kind of so you can enjoy it on its own but then if you really start to think about it and contemplate it, it's got this energy that is 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 hard to kind of put words to. Yeah. Um, and and you is that hard to do with Pinot Grigio? Is it finding that tension because Pinot Grigio can be such a an easygoing and kind of lush textured grape? Is it hard to kind of ma maintain that tension? Well, it is quite of quite of a challenge, but it's it's possible. It's it's possible if you put the right focuses in the field um, if re if you respect the the vegetation period and the vintage and if you do do your homework in the in the cellar let's say because uh, wine is made of uh, um, from humans so there are interventions but it's it's about the balance um, between letting wine its freedom and and intervent in the right moment um, so I would say that's probably our approach when we when we try to deal. There are several different vinific vinification techniques. Um, experimentation is is definitely um, a point when it comes to to try to to handle challenges of the future. You have to experiment a lot, um, and then it's about a, a, a saying I, I really like, which which Clemens actually can say better. I think from from the one. From Samuel Beckett. No, come on, you don't. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, Samuel Beckett has a has a good uh, phrase. What we really like to use it's it's uh, what is it called? Ever, ever tried, ever failed. No matter, try again, fail again, fail better. It's about this. You should. We think about wine and components, and and we need to gain experience with even with each uh, certain component. If it's high, if it's altitude, if it's um, skin maturation, long contact on stems and skin, we need to experiment. We need to understand uh, what 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 uh, what component does what to the wine, and then at the very end, to uh, having it understand, having made many. Uh, errors and then and gaining experience uh, as well from this uh, er from this uh, errors and and uh, and, uh, and know knowing to get our limits i think at the very end we can try to to make our best and 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 increase the perception and the, of acidity the perception of freshness that this tension what we're looking for but there are many different components and one is the nature outside one is the the vineyard but then of course you can increase uh, you can increase the diversity as a human in 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 the cellar as well uh, in a natural way you know dealing with maturation or this this long skin con or stem contact so at the winery at uh, Alois Legator you make many wines but even to go into one wine you might make experimentation experiment and uh, make test trials uh, how many times I mean to make your Pinot Grigio which is maybe yeah. a, a, a large portion of your production uh, and it's one of my favorite Pinot Grigios from the region uh, how many thing? How many? How many little micro fermentations are you doing to make that one wine? Well, um, it isn't really about micro fermentations. So we do that experiments on a quite quite large scale. Okay. I would say, and we have one chance a year. Um, that's also something you one should be aware of. We have one vintage, one chance, and and then we have to wait for the next vintage. So, um, I would say, uh, with the raising quality level, also the number or or yeah, the number of components uh, raises. So probably to give you an idea, with the Pinot Grigio, we had roughly um, 
six or seven main components, so different vinification styles or and different harvest dates, uh, because in that case, um, more or less all grapes come from a from a comparable terroir. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, and it's our goal to to understand okay which parcel we want to harvest a little bit earlier, which one a little bit later, with which uh, parcel with which uh, yeah field we want to do a maturation, which which one we do want to do a, uh, another different vinification me- method, which one we want to do uh, vinify in large cask, which one in stainless steel. So these are the components, and the, yeah. yeah, with in the core Pinot Grigio yeah. th- and this year, and th- that's also imp- extremely important to say. It's not a recipe that stays the same every single year. It depends. Uh, I mean, 2015 was extremely warm, so maybe we need to increase the, the percentage of the component what we kept for uh, yeah on on skin to increase the the perception of acidity because it gets you the phenolics, the the, the, the phenolic acidity, and uh, it, that's I think something what we can't say. This wine has so many so many of the components. It's always every single year you need to understand. You need to understand over a whole year what you're having in front of you and then uh, uh, act in, a, in the right way and sometimes yeah harvest earlier harvest later and, and then then yeah then the whole thing starts actually so yo you have spoken about chaos in the winery mm-hmm. and i can only imagine what it would be like to be in the winery come harvest time i mean it's th- there's just chaos right but you relish you kind of relish in that with with things happening and changing uh, over the course of maybe hours and, and and minutes and making these decisions to kind of go can you give us a glimpse into into what that that's like yeah yeah first of all of course we need the 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 framework or a certain order so um to yeah handle mm, that kind of production um we do but the chaos in in my in my term there the chaos enables you to to create really great things which you could not have done if if you would have tried to plan it so uh, out of a chaos something can erase that nobody um was thought of so um meaning yeah give us an example of that what what yeah, for, what for has instance, come out? yeah for instance there was like in the in the 2016 vintage there was a nice vineyard um so we, we, we thought about some experiments before the vintage and we have some certain barrels wi- which are um reserved for that experiments and then um but there was an another vin- uh, vineyard we haven't thought about a nice vineyard with with moscato giallo in it um biodynamic grapes um and they were right we we harvested them in the in the right moment and in that moment when the when the grapes arrived in the winery you saw all of our team all of our colleagues standing next to the grapes and eating them and grab grabbing some for for <laughs> family at home because they were the tension they were partly yellow partly green um extremely crunchy when you when you bite bite in the in the grape that's what we try to transmit the crunchiness the tension into the wine from the grape so um yeah and we saw these grapes and and we're thinking about well why why don't we do something with that so what we did is actually what we did is we um fermented them on on the whole grape um but yeah we did not forget it but after three days nothing went on um it was still choose. Um, then we did an analysis. Then we re- realized that there ha- happened something really strange. What what isn't actually possible? Then the fermentation went over in three days, extremely fast. And afterwards, we had a, had an extreme fresh wine, full of full of tension and 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 where you want to drink another glass, glass by glass, because it's fascinating. And that could never have happened if we have if we would have planned it it was the moment um the moment the 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 feeling in the moment the grapes so um yeah the fun part was also that it was doing malolactic something that exactly. was completely it's in theory you would you should throw away this wine yeah. because it was doing the malolactic so it converting uh malic acid into lactic acid yeah. and afterwards the fermentation so it's yeah. something where this that's that's the beauty to not interfere sometimes it, i mean that's also <laughs> certain action uh, as you always say but not yep. interfere sometimes it's also incredibly cool to and then to see what the result at the very end brings and even though the theory would say uh, that there were would no uh, wouldn't be any aromas there yeah. wouldn't be oh, yeah like w- that would taste yeah. like nothing it was a full 
but it uh, fresh tension tension wine that's uh, sometimes and, and, and maybe flavors that you've never encountered absolutely. before yeah, in wine absolutely. and yeah. Yeah. and that, that that is always my my goal is to find these unique flavors mm-hmm. uh, excellent if you're just joining us my name is Mark Rayshap this is another bottle down and we're here in the co-op studios with Alois Clemens Legator and Jo Fisterud uh winemaker um, so with all of this stuff going on i mean Alois, is, is, is it hard to kind of be in charge of like the finance, you know, be worried about kind of the, the finance? I mean, if you have to throw away a whole batch, if something goes wrong, mm, that's, yeah. it's, a, it's a little <laughs> it's a little nerve wracking, right? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. You have to have a lot of faith in, in what yeah. Yo is doing, right? Sometimes it is because of what I see in the last few years that the, 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 and the quantities of certain wines are getting reduced because of quality, because uh, we are aware that uh, with certain way of thinking we can always fine-tune and, incre- and increase the quality, but of course it always has a certain impact on the quantity, so yeah. <laughs> I, I get constantly phone calls from you doing, uh, wh- while he's saying, look, we are going to reduce the quantity of this, uh, this, uh, this wine because of the quality, and you can't say anything about it, because of course you, you're, always, you're always looking for the best quality, yeah, absolutely, but sometimes, yeah, it's and a little bit but, hard. But then you can't, you can't really ra- just raise the prices, uh, I mean, no, uh, no. on the turn of a dime. I mean, this, d- I mean the goal is, I think, to, because of the quality, because of the perception of quality, and because of, uh, I, th- I hope that, uh, of course, uh, true, it is hopefully going like this, through the quality, through the increase of quality every single year, a certain, in some day, the, the demand will hopefully be bigger than maybe you can raise uh, the prices, but it's not that, okay, only because I'm deciding yeah. to, <laughs> I, t- I can't do it, <laughs> I can't <laughs> decide only because, uh, yeah. We've got the, the we've got the importer in the room as well who is uh, saying don't increase the prices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, I, I, you know it's 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 really amazing what you're doing as far as experimentation. Do you think that because there's so much on the line, where it's one um, you, you, one harvest every year, that more people aren't really experimenting to the extent of that you are, or is it um, that people don't have the vision, or that they're you know maybe lazy, or et cetera? Well, I think um, I think actually there are lots of uh, other producers and colleagues who who do that experimentation as well in another way. Um, maybe they are not um, aware um, of what they're doing, and then there certainly are producers who who f- who try to keep their style, uh, who have found their style. Um, that's that's. There's no right or wrong. We we just we want to constantly develop and and raise the quality and make it make it better. And then again, if you made it good, you want to make it make it perfect. So it's I would say it's it's something every producer um, um, does, but maybe there are different approaches. Um, so we have kind of found, or we are in the beginning of a of a process we have kind of found found several um approaches but i would say that's something very typical for the for the winemaking scene that you try a lot um and and um but i would i would add i think make a lot of questions what we do have is as in the winery we do have a very strong vision about wine and i think everyone in the winery stands behind it that we want to always look for the uh, fresh precise uh, wine that have a certain liveliness and i think um having this vision uh, we need to ask ourselves how how if there's something happening going on with the climate and believe me nature is changing every year and you need to to realize and then understand and i think uh, that's the point if you have a certain vision you need to ask your question ask uh, the question how can you guarantee even in 5 10 20 years uh, the same freshness the same preciseness in the wine and that's uh, what is triggering us to do this kind of experiment experimentation on a small scale but an, and they have a huge impact at the very end on a, on a bigger scale no? i mean we are not just um uh, 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 it's imp- it's important to say. I think we are not only a, a winery that uh, is a handcrafted winery that 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 
does thousand bottles and every single bottle is uh, bottled uh, uh, manually it's we have a, a, a production behind it as we make about 1.2 million of bottles and the important thing is that even on a larger scale you need to always combine this how can you how can you learn from small experiments how can you increase through that how can you gain experience and then at the very end they have a, a huge impact on a larger scale on a, on a, on, a, on the quality of a larger scale yeah making a quality wine on a large scale is incredibly yeah. difficult that's the, that's, that's a real challenge yeah, yeah. Um, excellent. Does that does that quest quest for freshness and whatnot lead you to some of the indigenous grapes more so, like the Mueller Turgau and uh, and Schiava on the res? Let's talk about some of the indigenous grapes of the regions and 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 your impressions on them. Uh, I guess let's start with you know you, you also you, let's start with some of the whites because I guess the region is maybe most known for white. The region is yeah you're right the region is most known for white but in a, in a strange way it's not known for its right uh, indigenous white indigenous uh, grape varieties because those disappeared 30 years ago uh, um, probably uh, we all never heard of Blattele, Fasolen, Frauela these are very very old uh, white indigenous grape varietals that yeah, completely disappeared the last 30 years because of certain reasons so nowadays uh, if we talk about indigenous grape varietals we are Alto Anich is much more known for its red indigenous grape varietal like Schiava or Lagrain. Of course, there are uh, certain th- uh, varieties like Müller Thurgau that are probably known for, for Alto Anich, but I wouldn't say that they're indigenous, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. But I, I would for sure say that for these kind of varieties like Müller Thurgau, Alto Anich has perfect conditions because yeah. we have the vineyards on a higher elevation as, as well. We have, uh, yeah different soil types that are, are uh, cool climate zones and very very mediterranean climate on on, yeah, a, yeah. on a small space yeah mm-hmm. and so and 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 all of those factors the cool climate the elevation keeps that acidity because Mueller turgau can have beautiful aromatics and uh, yeah. occasionally can can lack acidity perhaps but um, uh, I, w- I would say so I, th- I think that's that's one point again what we are questioning ourselves how can we guaranteed a certain acidity no and of course you can go higher up um finding finding vineyards in on a higher uh, elevation but the o- only problem is if you're going higher up what you do is in alto Anija, you need to think of you're in the middle of the dolomites no you have this beautiful surrounding this beautiful natural surrounding if you go higher up you, of course you in a somehow and somehow you you uh, you interfere you you uh, change this beautiful natural landscape and you you bring up the monoculture so going high up finding the city is a possibility but shouldn't be the only one what what would it be displacing what what else is part of the the natural agriculture and the natural landscape the the, the ecosystem of the area um unfortunately uh, i would say that um to be a little bit critical about the area as well uh i mean it's a nice place it's a beautiful place it's really in some part it seems paradise but there are in fact also if you're talking about agriculture we have valleys where we only have two cultures and this is apple trees and on the other side we have we have vineyards and i think our thought our our yeah our thoughts needs to be go in this direction how can we break up this the vineyards as, w- as well a little bit how can we break up the the monocultures because i think uh, a fertile soil uh, is requiring uh, a certain diversity of 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 different cultures meaning uh, different animals different as uh, plants in 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 a certain microcosmos no and uh, and a vineyard is a microcosmos just that it's a very to be to yeah, sad, sadly, it's a very poor mi- uh, microcosmos because we're only thinking about one, one, um, yeah, one plant, one culture, and I think this is our needs to be our goal to break up the monocultures and create again a certain certain closed organism where we reintegrate uh, animals like cattle, like sheep, like donkeys in the middle of the rows where we where we plant different gra- uh, uh, yeah and uh, and that's seeds. that's one of the main tenets of biodynamics which is something that you farm all of your family vineyards mm-hmm. uh, are 
biodynamically farm. Right. And then you work with a, a variety of growers because they have really cool sites here and there, yeah. who, which may or may not be biodynamic. Yes. Um, I think it, I think biodynamic is a social process and uh, it needs time and, and we can't force anyone. It's a it's a different approach. It's, if you would go to, to the to the doctor and, and you would say, I have a headache and he would give you a painkiller. Of course, that's one possibility. The other possibility is if he would ask you, uh, what have you done yesterday? What are you doing tomorrow? What what, are, what other problems do you have? Where's the origin? And I think that's a different approach what you socially you need to learn. You It starts with the, with the, with your head. And, and it's not about forcing our, our small Vintner partners to do this stuff, but it's about motivating them. And this needs time. And and we are we are we are patient because in the last four year five years we intensified the co- the collaboration we intensified the discussion about organic biodynamics with them and slowly slowly yeah let's say no not even slowly but the last four years there were about forty percent of these ninety farmers in total that converted their their uh, vineyards towards organic or biodynamic and it's a huge step and and I I'm aware that we are not yet there where we would love to be so farming 100% organically or biodynamically but I'm aware that it's a possible uh, it's a possibility to be maybe in 5 10 20 years there and this uh, is extremely interesting to motivate to go out and and talk and and create a discussion and it's not a discussion about black and white what is better what is uh, less better it's about uh, yeah I don't know the it's future about, of the region yeah it's about you have a certain well, responsibility yeah. and 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 it's very nice uh, in in English, for example, you call it uh, agriculture, and uh, agriculture is something what you what you need to keep, but you need to develop it, and that's our responsibility, I think, as a as a wine producer as well. And we have a certain responsibility for our neighborhood, for our surroundings, and this is for sure not a, 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 a poor uh, monoculture, but it's a much bigger diversity. And then I should, I mean, that was beautifully eloquent. That was awesome that to have that description of your uh, pride in your land and also your responsibility to it. Um, and then, then the idea that we can get a sense of that in the glass and in the bottle and that we're supporting the entire region, uh, it all kind of comes around in full circle. Mm. Um, so it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, is it a lot more difficult to, to, to farm biodynamically? I mean, in this region or is it relatively easy? I mean, you've got cool winds and you've got, it seems like it might be an easier region to farm biodynamically than say, uh, further South or a warmer area that you might have more, uh, disease pressure and that sort of thing. Your turn. Uh, <laughs> 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 Thank you. No, um, I would say um, it isn't probably the easiest region to cultivate biodynamic, but it also isn't a very hard region. Um, mm, I would say biodynamic isn't something you can only do on a few spots where it's not humid, hot. Right. Um, you can adapt the, that concept um, nearly everywhere on the on the world. There might be some a few, a very few spots where it can be really hard, but also there it's possible. So in my in my opinion, um, it's a suited area. Could be easier, but elsewhere you have other challenges. So it's not not really about uh, about the the suitability of of, of certain climate or precipitation or whatever yeah. right right let's um can we talk about some of the red grapes you know Mueller turgau we mentioned on the white side um and we can we could we could talk for hours and hours more but um we do we have about uh 10 10 15 minutes left um you know the red grapes one of my favorite red grapes in northern italy overall is lagrine and you make wonderful Lagrine. Can you talk about that? Is it, it what what are the flavors like? Uh, do you see a future for it in in the U.S. and um, and and are, what are you doing with it? There will be a future of Lagrine because because it's a it's part of of a culture of winemaking in Alto Adige. It's an it's an important variety, although it might be a variety for me which is most times misunderstood um you have to imagine like rhine is a very dark colored wine um most people think dark color is related to a to a fat body or a, 
yeah, uh, a, a heavy wine. It isn't, in, in our opinion, it isn't related. Um, and Lagrain is, isn't meant to be a very fat wine, but instead a very elegant wine full of finesse with a clear aroma profile. Um, it, had, it has, by nature, higher acidity values, which is nice, um, not only uh, for processing or, or wine, but also for drink wine, because a certain uh, acidity yeah, brings always a certain freshness. Um, and therefore, I would say uh, with Lagrain, we tried out, um, we made our experiences in the last, uh, of course, 30 years, but I'm, I'm there since three years. So within three, three years, we have developed, developed the, the concept with Lagrain um, very fast. So meaning um, you can use uh, um, small wooden barrels, so barrique, um, if you're very sensitive. Um, and we did that, and uh, wines were great. But um, for our idea of the future, like Rhein, we want to produce, we will nowadays um, only take bigger wooden barrels, barrels with, with a smaller impact in terms of um, oxygen transfer. So um, important, yes, um, future of course because uh, indigenous grape varieties no matter where you are guarantee you a certain single standing yeah right. or special standing um and it's a it's a very fun uh, variety uh which we which we work a lot with and yeah are happy to have it yeah, yeah. um i i, I love the the and what you say a darkness but you still have uh, the acidity that you get in in indigenous varieties i mean i think that that's one of the strong suits of indigenous varieties um that it's not all kind of tar and big jammy fruit where you've, you've got the spice and character and and all of that what about pinot noir pinot noir is a specialty of yours as well um do, how, how does the Pinot Noir from the region differ from, say, you know, California Burgundy or California Pinot Noir? I think that there's a unique identity there, right? I think every region has its unique identity for each single grape variety. I would never look for having my our Pinot Noirs compared to Burgundy or Oregon or California or Sonoma. Or I don't know. It's always something different. I think. Right. Um, um, even in Altoanage, it's very funny. We always have the discussion because there is a there's a narrow valley and there are two sides where that are well known. Uh, both the sides, so the east and the western side, are both well known for 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 Pinot Noir, or there are some well known spots, and um, they can't be more different to each other. And even though they're just one mile away from each other now. And so even that style is very unique in, in our region. And uh, sometimes you find Pinot Noirs uh, that are maybe a little bit more masculine. Um, to be honest, I pref or we prefer uh, the, the wines that are even at Pinot Noir that uh, showed a little bit the fresher style. Like, and here they should uh, reflect or they should uh, yeah, reflect the region. And the region is... Uh, in the middle of the Dolomites, and we, of course, we, the, the climate gets, or the, the day during daytime it gets heated up a lot, but during nighttime in certain areas you have a very nice fresh air, and then you have also spots where you have uh, the limestone that uh, gives a certain structure as well to the to the Pinot Noir. So I don't know how to characterize it because it's even in the region so different, but I can characterize my or our uh, ideal, and this would be always a very more feminine, refined, uh, delicate Pinot Noir. I mean, it's one of the probably most difficult grape varieties to grow. It's right. very delicate. And I think this delicacy you should feel as well in a glass. P plus, we have some other varieties to, to create a full-bodied uh, um, um, wine. Tenin richly wine. Mm. Yeah, it's not the Absolutely. Pinot Noir. In our, in our idea. Right. So if people are looking for more of that full body, they, they have other things in the portfolio that they exactly. could go to. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we have a Tanat. <laughs> for instance. <laughs> <laughs> for instance, yeah. Well, let's, you know, let's, let's talk about the, that Tanat. You, so your father brought in some grape varieties, started experimenting, right? Yeah, in, right. Uh, 40, 30, 40 years ago? 30 years ago. 30 actually, years yeah. ago. 
and to not was one of them which is known yeah. as like the massive does it rip your mouth out oh yes <laughs> oh yes but it, actually, funny not not only because of the tannins but especially because of the acidity yeah um it it's really f- it's a very funny grape variety for Altoalich, and I think my father did the right had the right did the right choice when uh, when he was planting starting to plant Tanat thirty years ago because he became interested in climate change and he wanted to see it does it really happen and what what uh, what uh, what is changing and so he's decided to plant grape varieties from the southern parts of France like uh, Tanat like Viognier Roussan Marsan or from Greece like Assyrtiko and and um, Experimenting with those grape varieties and to see how they, how they, uh, I just recognize that I maybe shouldn't have uh, said uh, said the name of the grape varieties, mm-hmm. <laughs> as there that's not always it wasn't always that legal to do so. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we planted those grape varieties from other areas uh, from the world to see how how it uh, will how they will develop. And Tanat was one of them. And um, at the very end, at the beginning, it was like also Viognier was funny to play with, but it's nothing, wasn't very interesting. And nowadays, I don't know, maybe because it, they got used to the, the, the ambient, to the, to the area, or maybe because there's really something happening like climate change, I don't know. But um, Tanat or Viognier, these are grape varieties that are suiting very well in the region. And, and Tanat for sure is a red grape varietal so far. Uh, that we are believing in and and a lot and and uh, we we now have a wine that where the majority of the of the blend is a tanat and and uh, we are going on to plant new vineyards with this grape variety and uh, this year it was amazing uh, we had uh, uh, yeah we we f- uh, we f- uh, harvested a, a a parcel where we had uh, unbuild it was it was ripe so it got ripe and you with tanat you always see it when the when the stem starts to get brown a little bit or yellow and uh, but it had more than uh, yeah 10 grams of acidity it was yeah, which unbelievable is <laughs> and this for red wine it has analytically speaking it has had fantastic uh, uh how you Value, say values yeah. yeah it was Amazing. Wow. And, and it's just remarkable that a, a grape variety that you think of for a hot climate can just thrive in mm. in, in somewhat of a cooler area. I mean, of course, it had also the Viognier's. Sometimes Viognier can be muscul- uh, masculine, uh, a little bit broad. bigger, richer, broad. Yeah. He also, Viognier in, in Alto Anadja keeps his acidity. And that this was the reason for my father to look for grape variety that guarantee the freshness in future, to guarantee a certain acidity. And these grape varieties like Tanat or Viognier, they are used to warmer climates, just that in Alto Anadja, they in a somehow they keep as well its uh, their acidic part. And that's that's the fun part to play with those. So of those grape varieties that your father brought in, do you, so Tanat is probably the most interesting one? or uh, From the red ones, yes. Yeah. Um, and the white? and from the, from the white ones, I would say Viognier is very interesting. Um, uh, Petit, Petit Massa is yeah. very interesting. Even Assyrtico is interesting, actually. Yeah, they're all in somehow. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to imagine for <laughs> us for us in production uh, or, or uh, doing a cellar tasting. It's a huge playground, and it, it's it's extremely surprising when you arrive there and you have some of these varieties never expected there and in 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 such a such an age of the wines. I mean, we we we're talking about twenty year old wines when when it comes really to quality producing. Twenty years are quite young but enough to to start to focus on a on a great qu- quality um and that's it's the fun factor you have them you can try them you can learn it you can experience you have a n- unique experience here and yeah maybe let's let's think about uh his father did this 20 to 30 years ago why not why not i'm um, taking other varieties now and 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 try them out and maybe sometimes they just disappear because you you see that it maybe doesn't work. Yeah. No? Fail. And and so that, fail, that yeah. does happen, you know? That does Absolutely. happen. Yeah. It's okay. If you try out it there's no guarantee that, that it works. Right. But yeah. at least you But yeah. no risk, no fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too much fail fun better. die young. Yeah, fail better. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
Well, that's certainly going to be the name of the uh, the of the podcast here. No risk, no fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, any final thoughts? Because uh, we we have just a few more minutes left. It's been a, a true honor to have you guys in the studio, uh, Alois Clemens Legator, sixth generation from the winery, Alois Legator, and Yo Fisterer, the winemaker of Alois Legator, um, in the Alto Adige, right on the Austrian border. Um, any any final final thoughts in our last few minutes? No, I would I would I would actually <laughs> like to say that we were both um, quite impressed <laughs> of of the city of Austin when yeah. we when we arrived. Yeah. We really enjoyed it here. It's it's a really nice atmosphere. Too short. Um, too, too short. short unluckily, yeah. we had to work. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> but it was nice to work here, and it was nice. Um, yeah, we had. We really felt comfortable staying here and and had a warm and nice um, stay. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Is, is so for so um, for, for folks visiting the Alto Adige, there's and I should mention your website is excellent. Uh, mm-hmm. It's aloisligator.eu. Yeah. Um, and beautiful pictures, really, really well done. Uh, and it it's seems it's, it's, it's brand new. <laughs> <laughs> we were working a lot on this. <laughs> <laughs> Just got it done in time for the trip. And so th- th- you, you kind of highlight some of the villages and some kind of vineyards where you, uh, w- w- that you have around the area. Uh, is it a, a lovely place to, to, for visitors to go instead of going to the normal, um, you know, Barolo or, or, or Tuscany? Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, Luca Corrado from Vietti once uh, said something very interesting. He said, like, if you would fill up a, a, a shaker uh, and you would uh, squeeze it, it's like uh, with diff- if you fill it up with different things and then you squeeze it, it's like uh, how Italy is. And, and it's every region is, is such a beautiful identity. It's so completely different. Every layer is different. Every region is different. And Marolo, the Piemonte is completely different to Tuscany or Sicily. And, and uh, Altoanage is also has its uniqueness. And the uniqueness is for sure this, this mixtures of two different cultures where the Austrian culture fit, comes in and, and uh, matches with the Italian cultures and in the middle of the Dolomites. And I so think this is this is the beauty of Altoanage. And I would always recommend someone to come there because it's uh, it it's something what you would never 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 expect in Italy. It's <laughs> incredible and you, it takes you two and a half hours by car from Venice to answer the first question. To, so to where to? To Venice. And so to Venice, yeah. You're very hey, that's a good point. That's yeah. a good end. <laughs> yeah. So you can do you can do several regions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Two and a half hours from Venice, and just incredible diversity, guys. Thank you so much for coming thank here you on the for show. Thanks for having us. And stay in touch. We were on it. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, you've been listening to another bottle down. Uh, my name is Mark Rayshap, and again, um, we have been very honored to have in the studio Alois Clemens Legator, sixth generation, and his winemaker Yo Fisteder. Uh Thanks, guys, and good and happy travels. Thank you very thank much. Thank you very much. Well, that does it for us today. I really hope you enjoyed the interview. Big thanks to Jerry Reed from Southern Glaciers Wine and Spirits and Rob Foreman from Dalaterra, the importer. Uh, we couldn't have done it without you guys, and I really enjoyed the program you put together while these guys were here in Austin. And uh, and I've posted a picture of the of us in the co-op studios with uh, Clemence Legator and Yo Fister. So. Um, Make sure to tune in every week, and I'm a little bit backed up. The summer is a little slow, though, so um, we should get some more really interesting interviews posted in the next couple of weeks. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time.